Hey, welcome to the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. Glad you found us for another season. Really hope you enjoyed the guests that we have today. Take a listen. Reach out if you want some more information. Enjoy the time. Enjoy the learn. Hopefully you get better from this. The Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast is a big fan of cookies. I'm excited to announce the podcast now has an official cookie sponsor, Texas Treaties. Texas Treaties is a Dallas-based custom cookie company that can design and decorate any shape and color combo you can think of. Not only do they look amazing, they taste great also. Texas Treaties is offering Dallas area listeners a special 10% off promo. Use the code podcast at checkout. Link to order will be in the show notes. If you are in the market for fine men's wear, i.e. suits, shirts, ties, etc., you need to check out Etiquette Dawn. I personally have several pieces from him, and every time I wear them, I feel confident, well-dressed, and I receive many compliments. Etiquette Dawn is a truly custom apparel company that will have you look, looking like a sharp-dressed man. Check out www.etiquettedawncustomapparel.com for more information. Make sure to follow them on Instagram and TikTok at Etiquette Dawn as well. All coaches have their go-to drink for waking up and getting their energy boosted. For me, that's coffee. I prefer black coffee, so that means buying high-quality beans so that I can grind and brew them at home and enjoy my cups of happiness. Viking Coffee is my go-to company for a monthly subscription of great variety of beans that produce excellent cups time after time. Podcast listeners, use the code COFFEEWITHNOONAN, all one word, for a 10% discount off. Check out www.vikingcoffeeco.com for more details and to order the official coffee of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast. Drink coffee, work hard. On today's episode of the Hanging with Coach Noonan podcast, I am joined by the head strength conditioning coach at Hamilton College for the last three years now, Coach Pat Basil. Coach Pat Basil has been an assistant strength and conditioning coach also at Bryan University from 2015 to 2018, uh, strength conditioning coach and wide receivers coach at Sunny Maritime College from 2014 to 2015, an SNC intern at UConn, an SNC intern at Bryant, and he also played four years at Bryant College football. Coach Pat Basil is an outstanding resource. Really encourage you guys to pay attention in this episode. Give them a follow on Twitter and make sure to purchase some of the amazing products that he's released. Enjoy today's episode with Coach Pat Batesville. On today's episode of the Hangout with Coach Noonan podcast, I'm joined by head strength conditioning coach at Hamilton College, Pat Basil. Coach, good morning. How are you? Coach Noonan, doing great. Thanks for having me. So for those of you guys that haven't listened to the uh, – the Cody Hughes um, podcast episode with Coach Basil. Uh, I highly suggest that you go back and listen to that. It kind of gives the backstory on Coach. Uh, we'll touch on that briefly, but that was really my first introduction to you uh, and where you're at and what you're doing. And then from there, you know, I just shot you a DM and we've been conversing back and forth. Uh, you've been really beneficial in terms of giving me some great insight and ideas. And uh, I've been very fortunate to uh, be able to apply some of those things 
um, to one of my athletes. Uh, I think she has a love hate relationship with the, with the stuff that you sent, but we appreciate yeah. it sincerely. Absolutely. That's the goal is to give value and help and yeah, just give back to the field so we can ultimately help, help the kids. Right. It's, you know, I, I give to you guys so you can then go give to however many hundred athletes you work with. So that's, that's the idea. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things I wanted to ask was for you and the way that your programs are structured and the time that you guys have, it's, it's very, um, it's, it's very structured in the sense of like, you don't have a lot of flexibility, right? Uh, you're, you're at a school that's extremely high academic. You only have a set number of hours, uh, and earn, and basically in terms of getting these athletes in and out, uh, they've got a lot on their plate aside from just the, um, athletic performance standpoint. So what is something that you would really like to see done at the high school level before they get to you guys to kind of expedite your process a little bit more? To make our job easy. And we're, we're lucky with this. We get a lot of kids from either they have a club program or they have a trainer or they have a high school program. It's super high quality movement um, and training consistently consistent good quality movement at the high school level because think about what your it serves two purposes think about what your um what your goals are and the population you have so if you're in high school they're largely beginners or novices maybe you got a handful of kids that started lifting when they were in eighth grade and by the time they're seniors they're pretty strong because i was one of those kids but for the most part you're gonna have kids that are you know, fairly consistent, don't really know what they're doing. They're developing, growing into their bodies. You know, a freshman to sophomore can grow six inches. So developing that quality movement really consistently um, and kind of will help them, one, developing it stronger. Um, but two, that's going to set them up for success by the time they get to us because they already have that base of movement quality and work capacity and base strength. So we can rock and roll and do more stuff. Um, so best case scenario, what, what I see from our kids that come from good high school programs is that very high quality technique and because they have very high quality technique, they're, they're strong. Um, and that's one thing I want to touch on. It's one thing we talked with, talked about with Cody. Um, if you chase numbers and strength, you're going to lose the movement quality. If you chase movement quality and consistency, you'll get both you can have your cake and eat it too. So if you start with your basic movements to do them really, really, really well, the strength and size and power games will come automatically. Um, if you, if you put the cart before the horse and try to load up the bar with as much as possible, you're not going to get that movement quality. You're not going to get good patterns and you're going to get kids that get lackluster returns, probably get hurt and just feel bad and don't like the weight room because it, it, it's unnecessarily hard and they feel terrible that somebody's yelling at them and get lower get lower put more weight on the bar it's not a good atmosphere so that's what i would like to see um and I, you see a lot of great examples of but i think one thing i would like to see across the board is that really high movement quality um creating a great atmosphere because everything else falls in place when you do that so if you're in a high school setting out there, that's what I want. That's what I'd want to see on the other end, because I do see it quite a bit with our kids who do come from those programs. Um, very high quality, very good understanding of how to progress. Um, so that's what I want to say. Oh, I love that. And to me, as, as 
you know, I was kind of reflecting this morning as I was in the weight room, just kind of cleaning it up and getting it set up for Monday um, so that I can, you know, enjoy my weekend a little bit uh, here. Uh, you know, I was just thinking about like, I, I haven't been in terms of directly related to strength conditioning as long as I've just been coaching a sport. Um, it, it's more of the more recent, but what you're talking about in terms of having better movement quality pattern, you know, better quality movement patterns and, and not chasing the numbers. It just seems too common sense. Like why would you not emphasize, you know, technique and such it's the same approach that you would take when you're out on the field or out on the court. Like you're not just going to go straight into the highest complexity of a drill um, you know, as a defensive line coach, like I'm the first thing I'm teaching is not a spin move. Like we're far from that. So, you know, why would you not take the same approach in the weight room and start small and build up yet? So many times we see these coaches, um, and we see kids that are loading up the bar, particularly to, to squat and they're nowhere close to parallel. Uh, they're nowhere close to having, you know, perfect technique and, and, Obviously, when you're when you're doing a one rep max, there's there's a little bit of chance that it's not going to be a super clean rep. Uh, and that's understood. But at the same time, if it's really bad, you know, why are you even bothering to do it? Um, you know, you just, just you step back, you wonder what's going on from a coaching standpoint, because at the end of the day, the kids are going to be allowed. The kids are going to do whatever they're simply allowed to do, uh, even if they're coached or not in my opinion. Right, exactly. And what I think, it doesn't come from a bad place. And as you were talking, the first, a concept came to mind. It's called Hanlon's Razor. And Hanlon's Razor is, it's a principle that's, and I'll read the quote, it's never attribute to malice, which is adequately explained by stupidity. 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 So it's, it's not that people, they're probably trying to do, or not stupidity, but incompetence. So it's not that they're trying to hurt kids. It's probably, it probably comes from a good place in that a coach is trying to make a kid stronger or make a kid more powerful, but they just don't understand what that process looks like of starting with that basic stuff and that movement quality stuff. Um, and, and they're trying to, you know, like I said, load up the bar to, and whatever you get, you get. It goes back to Hanlon's razor. It's not that they're, it's not that they're malicious or there are a lot of guys, unfortunately there are a lot of guys out there that, want to thump their chest and pretend to be drill sergeant for an hour. That's unfortunate. That's out there. Um, but it's, they don't know any better. Um, but that, that's why, that's why we do things like this. And how you have these podcasts is to educate that that's part of a side. I think responsibility is us uh, as coaches in the weight room is to get out there and educate because this, this, those kind of things are happening. Um, so I think it's it, people who just don't know better and it, with any job in any field, anywhere, if you really don't know what you're doing, the results on the other side are going to be, are going to be lackluster. Um, but we, you know, we, we see that at the college level too, not from a coaching standpoint, but kids want to load up the bar too much. Um, so sometimes it is, you know, you do have a good coach in there, but you have kids, you're particularly guys and particularly squatting that just have to put 10 more pounds on the bar. Um, and working around that is something we all deal with. And it comes and to fix that, it goes back to, one building a relationship with the kid, so you un so they understand you're not just there to yell at them, but 
and explaining why you need to do what you do, putting safeguards in place. So it's, that's one of the reasons we box squat is it's a built-in ego check. You have to get to the box. You have to come to a stop. And it's a gut check for a lot of these kids. They load the bar too heavy. All of a sudden, I have to hit that depth because there's a box. And I have to actually keep it under control. It's like, oh, boy, I can't do as much as I thought I could. So it's another check in that box squat. But that's just that's just a way we kind of work around that. Or it's a way we kind of keep that in check is through a box squat. Um, but yeah, I think it's just people not exactly knowing what they're doing, tr- probably trying to do the best thing, but just aren't sure. Um, so yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you and, and I'm a big fan of box squats. Um, you know, particularly if I'm just, you know, if I'm running my own personal training programs and, and just going through some stuff, um, it might be a day where. I just know that, you know, I'm a little sore. I'm a little tired. Um, I still need to train, but we're going to go ahead and box squat it. Cause I, you know, the program calls for some heavier percentages, even though we may not put that exact weight on the bar it might be a little bit less, but I just need that reminder of, okay, this is, this is depth for me. Um, you know, and as, as I work through my own stuff, you, you wonder like, you know, where, where is it that you want to get to in terms of depth? Because not, I'm not specifically training to compete right now, but at the same time, uh, you know, the things that I post are not for vanity, but more for teaching. Like I look and and review my, my lifts and, and look at my technique and, um, you know, hopefully I'm modeling exactly what I'm asking my, my athletes to do. Uh, and at the same time, you know, I post those lifts so that they see that. Um, and then I seek feedback from others who, who I think are, are qualified to give me feedback because there's a lot of people out there that'll just tell you something. Um, and you have to decipher whether or not that's good feedback. So, you know, when someone like you gives me feedback, I take that to heart. Uh, or if Cody or, or, or some of these other great minds give feedback, you know, I think we all ears perk up and listen because, you know, you guys have, have done a lot of great things, um, but your feedback comes from a place, just like you were talking about, it's a place of caring and it's a place of uh, desire for better. It's not a place of touting, hey, I know my stuff, so let you better listen because I know. Exactly. Dead on. Yeah, it's, it's yeah giving to the next line down so you can ultimately give to you know more we give to one coach that coach gives to 100 kids so you know just helping the greater good there no doubt um you know we talked about how to what what we could do at the high school level in terms of bettering movement patterns so when they get when they come to you guys at the collegiate level you they're a step ahead the other thing that y'all talked about on on cody's podcast was you know, enough is enough and more is not better. And I, and I, I don't know how to change this current culture regarding more um, because it's, it's everywhere, right? It's, yep. you know, so if you got an idea of how to change that aside from just, you know, obviously if we build the rules of relationships and we're having those conversations, that's one thing. But to me, there just needs to be a greater shift towards, doing the the necessary amount in an efficient amount of time. And that's one of the things that I loved about your episode 
with Cody is just how you talked about getting these kids in and out efficiently. Cause it's not about doing um, the cheesecake factory menu of, of movements. You, you may only need three or four movements, but they're quality. They hit exactly what you need for that program and you move them on. Exactly. So I'll, I'll kind of double down on that for anybody who's listening. That's, you know, thinks this is, Oh, that's soft. That's not enough. Look, I, you know, every, you know, I played this way. I did that. Look, I have every, every check mark, every qualification you could want. I squatted 500 pounds in high school. I played division one college football. I was, you know, FBS. I worked at the FBS and the FCS division one level. I worked with NFL draft picks, first round picks. I squat, I squatted 650 pounds myself, whatever thing you think is important. It's really not. I have it all. And I'm telling you that this not less is more, but enough is enough approach is the way to go. And I, we have, you know, we have guys that squat over 500 pounds. We had, we tested at the end of the spring. We had several guys squat over 500. So you can get strong. You can get what, what you want, what you, if you picture in your mind, I want a strong team. I want guys to squat this much, whatever you can get there. But you, like we said earlier, you can have your cake and eat it too. It's when you when you smoke them or crush them every single day, you're just giving them more volume to recover from. Um, so so understand. Let's take a step back and understand what what the concept is. So in training, you want to apply this with a, a training stimulus, right? So the body experiences this training effect, the stimulus, and makes a physical change as a result. For example, uh, let's say I do curls for three weeks. I apply that stimulus to my bicep muscle, and as a result, the muscle grows. That's called stimulus and, and training effect, or stimulus and adaptation. Um, what we found is that there's a there's an, a too common belief, like you said, that more is better, and that's not the case. So per exercise science and physiology, you only need enough training effect to trigger the adaptation, and that's it more does not give you a better training effect. And I think this is something that people don't understand physiology, which is why it's so important to have an understanding of it, a background of it. Do you need a, an exercise science degree? No, you don't. And just because you have a CSCS doesn't mean you necessarily apply that. You should understand that concept. doesn't mean that you apply that concept. Um, so you don't need to be a rocket scientist to understand this. So at a, there is a, a, a point of diminishing returns and it's hard. It's a bell curve. So we, so what we try to do in our program, what everybody should do is apply enough training effect to trigger that, that stimulus and get that adaptation, but don't do any more because any more is just not necessary. You're not going to, you can't try twice as hard and have a baby in four and a half months. It doesn't happen, right? So you, a baby's going to take nine months. So whatever you do, you don't need, more will not lead to more gains. It's not how it works. It's not how physiology works. Um, Another principle I like to follow is the Pareto principle or the 80-20. So 80-20 uh, means 20 percent of your actions will lead to 80 percent of the results, and that's true. I found that's true of almost everything in life. Um, 20 percent of your training will lead to 80 percent of the results, and if you really look into this principle, it could be as high as 90-10 or even 95-5, meaning 10 percent of your efforts lead to 90 percent of your results. So if you're if you're pushing and doing a ton of stuff at a certain point, that 80% that you've gotten came from a fraction of what you actually did. And, and now you're just giving them more to recover from, 
which is going to delay that adaptation. So you're actually shooting yourself in the foot by doing more. So going back to that physiology, you want to do enough is enough. But once you do more, you remember, you have to recover from training. So you have to apply the training through the stimulus and then recover. So the adaptation happens in the recovery. If you do more and more work and more and more volume, it becomes harder and harder to recover from, which blunts the, the adaptation. So physiologically, if you do more than you need to, you're actually going backwards. So think of that like an un, like think of a bell curve. I go up on the left side, down on the right side. So we want to get to the peak and stop because what happens? You fall off the edge on the other side. Now, if you're doing more volume, you're making it harder and harder and almost impossible to recover from. Now, look at you're thinking about high school kids. What do they do? They stay up till three in the morning playing Fortnite. They eat a pop tart for breakfast and nothing again till dinner. They have a Mountain Dew for lunch. Like those recovery principles aren't there now granted they're 14 and they can get away with it but they're already doing not what they should be to recover the last thing we want to do is add more onto them because physiologically we're just like pushing them off a cliff kind of even represented in that bell curve so what do we do so we understand that concept we get it what do we do i found the sweet spot to get to the top of that bell curve and stay there is that six to eight total exercises at about 45 minutes that's just in the weight room. If you do like field work or like speed work, it's going to take a little longer just because you are. But as far as your weight room work, your jumps, your throws, your lifts, your squats, all that should take about 45 minutes. That includes the warm up. Warm up, hit your strength movements, and out 45 minutes, six to eight total exercises. So that would look like if you're doing a total body day, your two main movements, squat, bench, two accessory movements like an RDL and a chin up. And then an explosive movement and a core exercise. There's your six right off that. If you did nothing else, and that's what a lot of our programs look like for a lot of our teams, the other two could be things like neck training or extra posterior work. So let's say we throw in some band face pulls to work the you know upper back and some neck work. That That's what I mean by those eight exercises. That doesn't mean do two more bench variations. It, it's things like that. And, and really those those last two are just gravy. You hit your main, your main check marks. I, I call it checking the box. You check the box and your main things for your six. And if you want to throw in two more, you could, or you could throw in another one for nine, but at a certain point you, you're starting to come off the other edge. It's just, what are you getting out of it? Um, so it's, we understand the concept. We apply it through our six to eight exercises over 45 minutes and then go home, get out. You know, you want to stretch or something that's after that's fine, but that's it. Then let nature take its course. Let the adaptation recover, let the physiology happen. So I would do that two to three times a week. Um, if you lift four days a week, I would just be very careful with the monitoring. You can burn out pretty quick. Um, you know, we see it. Our football guys train four days a week. They're actually our only team that trains four days. Um, and I have to keep a, a close eye on them because we do have a long off season. We don't have a traditional spring ball. So we're going all spring. We go 16 weeks straight. Really, if our season ends in mid-November, we're going from mid-November to mid-August straight. So I have to keep a very close eye on those guys because at four days a week, they can burn out pretty quick. So I have frequent conversations with them. Like, how are you feeling? How are you holding up? How your legs feel? Um, and I'll, I'll check up. Okay, we hit 85% for three. Okay, how many more do you think you could have done? And I'll give it like a, a quality check. You know, at that point, if you do three and you should maybe hit like two or three more after that, is to coach maybe only one. I say, okay, we're, we're probably redlining a little bit. We need to pull back. Or if it's, 
I hit three. I think I could do two or three more. So, okay, we're in a good spot. We're still in a good spot. And there's over time, you, you get a feel for it. You know, midway through the semester, they're starting to feel it. Toward the end of the semester, they're going to start to feel it. Um, so if you're going four days a week, I caution you on your total on your total volume and just keep an eye on your guys. But two to three, two to three times a week, um, six to eight total exercises, 45 minutes in and out. That's the that's the that's the formula. I think that's that's definitely where it's at, you know, as far as for us right now, you know, we're four days a week. Um, they're about 45 minutes in the weight room and it's, you know, it, there's, <clears throat> there's definitely, you know, in terms of either, um, stations or, um, you know, the time at the rack, you know, it's, it's, it's a slow cook process. Um, and I, I've told these guys, um, you know, cause I, I feel like we had a pretty grueling spring. We didn't do the traditional padded spring practices. We did stuff during our athletic period. Um, and kids were coming before and after school on their own to continue to lift. Um, you know, but my deal was you're coming great, but don't get so caught up in, in trying to put up big, heavy numbers, like spend some time doing mobility work, spend some time, uh, working through hurdles and, and, uh, and, and other things so that you don't tax yourself too much. Um, and as the year came to a close, we, we did see a taper off of, uh, of kids coming. And I, and I was actually okay with that because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, these are kids like, yes, our job is, is tied to Friday night performance, uh, you know, as, as football coaches, um, and my job as the, you know, the, the programmer right now for our summer strength conditioning is to get them ready. But I, I've told them all this week, my, my goal is to not have you peaked out in July. Like what, what good does that do? I need you peaked out in November, December when we're deep, you know, hopefully deep in the playoffs kind of thing. Like, yeah, you peak out in July. Whoopee! You probably look good at the river or at the water park, like. But that that serves us no purpose because now you're not ready for August. You're you have to take time to reset, and it's only going to get tougher uh, as the temperatures come up. You start putting pads on. You're now you add in the whole deal of banging on each other and, and other teams and the the stress of school starting up again. You know, it's it's definitely. Um, an important deal of understanding enough is enough. We don't have to do more like, you know, you don't need to go and spend another two hours with a trainer uh, just to do the same stuff you just got done doing. Exactly. And that's another, that's another checkpoint to, you know, doing this kind of enough is enough approach. If you're, if you're constantly keeping volume in check, you never really have to pull back all that much. If you if you do too much, like you said, you're gonna have to pull back. If you do hit the top of that bell curve in the midsummer, you're gonna have to pull back, or your body's gonna pull you back for you. You're gonna get hurt. You're gonna be burnt out. Um, it's gonna happen whether you like it or not. If you do too much, now you're going into the season on a downslope. We don't we can't have that. Like you said, if you're if you're on a downslope in camp in September, how are you gonna be at your best in November December? It's not possible. But if you keep it in check, if you do enough and no more, you you can always recover from that. And that's the point is you can train consistently more often without really changing 
what you do or, you know, you change a little bit in season, but the total volume doesn't change all that much. You can continue to train and get better throughout the summer into the season and then really get uh, your best. Think of like a plane taking off. There's a very long runway and then you gradual buildups in speed and then you lift off. If you try to shoot up straight, you're going to hit the top of that bell curve and come down. But if you kind of take that takeoff approach and do enough as you keep going, you can continue training and you never have to pull back or your body doesn't pull you back for you. So it's another check in the box. You can keep going for longer if you don't crush them. Yeah. Um, you had a tweet the other day talking about customer service experience, um, you know, customer experience and service and it's, and it being greater than culture and, and, you know, kind of, you want to test and see how good of a program or how good of a, an atmosphere you're running. Um, you know, what, what happens when there's, when you have a, the non-mandatory time and that attendance and that effort, um, you know, I, I really liked that because that's that's a very true thing. Like when when they're expected to be there, the majority of the ones are going to show up. Um, you know, summertime is a tough deal for us at the high school level. There's a lot of, you know, vacation or whatever. And we want those kids to go and have vacation. Go be a kid. Uh, but, you know, we tell them if you're in town, we expect you to come work out. We expect you to be at at the facility training, but it, we're only asking for two hours out of your entire day. So, uh, you know, <clears throat> can you kind of expand on that tweet? I don't know if you remember specifically what I'm talking about. Yep. Absolutely. So I'll talk about the kind of the general concept and uh, hopefully I don't go on too much of a tangent, but I'll talk about the, the, the general concept and then kind of how we apply it. So in terms of customer service, um, a customer experience, so any business, any business, if you want people to come back, you have to provide a fantastic product and a fantastic experience where people would want to come back. They don't come back. Nobody goes to their favorite breakfast spot because we're telling them to. They go because the food is great. People are friendly. They have a great time and all their friends go there. Nobody goes to IHOP because somebody wrote them a letter and said, you better be at IHOP on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. No, they go because you want to go and you enjoy it. You have a great experience at IHOP, so you go back. Or Waffle House, even better. All right. So your weight room or your business, your experience in the weight room or any business, you have to apply that same concept. You have to provide a fantastic product. You have to get stronger, more powerful, better, more explosive. And then you have to give them a fantastic experience. Coach them well, get them excited, make the weight room a place they want to be. All their friends there, it's excitable. And that's another, that's another plus to not crushing them is when you crush them it's a negative experience it's oh my god i hate the weight room i don't want to go back it's a grind they don't look forward to it that's hard it's hard to do anything well consistently when that's your mindset think about people that hate their job they're sitting in a commute they hate it you think they're performing well at their job two three years in not a chance but if you love what you're going to go do if you can't wait to get to the weight room you think they're going to perform well? Absolutely. You know, when we go out to practice, you coach your heart out because you love it, right? It's the same concept. So you have to have a product that one works and two, you have to deliver an experience that's fantastic. Think about it. What you go to Disney World, you have a great experience. You go back. Why? Because you had a great experience. That's how you get repeat customers. And repeat customers turns into consistency, which turns into progress and gains and things like that. So before you point your finger at the kids and say, you better be by bought in, 
turn the finger around, look inward and say, how can I make this a place these kids cannot wait to get to? Instead of I tell them to come in, why don't I make it so good and so positive and so overwhelmingly awesome they want to come in? I have to tell them to get out because they're here too long and they come too often. That's the ticket. Then everything falls in place, right? Then they, then you have their trust, you have their buy-in and your culture is a result of that. So in terms of the culture and the customer service, it all ties in. So people want to say, this is our culture and they try to work to that. Your culture isn't an end goal. Your culture is the result of what you do every day. So your culture is the result of the standards you hold your people to. If you have a if you have a terrible experience, you're gonna have a culture of compliance and they're doing it because they have to, not because they want to. But if you provide a great experience and an effective experience, their culture is gonna be one because they want to and they value it and they understand it. So which one do you want? And I think too often people put the cart before the horse on that and they say, We want culture first and then you buy in. Where first you have to create a great experience. And the, the culminating effect of all that is your culture. So when I say customer service and experience is better than culture, it's that's what it is. Give a great product, a great service, a great experience. They'll want to come back. They'll be consistent. Boom, you have a great culture. Oh, I love that, man. I think you're absolutely spot on with all of that. Um, you know, and as you're talking about it, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, with the kids that we're coming in, at least over this week and the kids that were showing up after school, um, you know, and, and even the kids that were, you know, for us, we, we were a hybrid um, kind of model this past year where kids could choose to either be in person or they could be virtual. Um, if they were virtual, they would come up for the athletic period, whether they were a freshman or sophomore, junior, senior, um, so there, there were some that never showed up, uh, during the school year for the athletic period. Um, they showed up to practice, but then they didn't show up for weights. Uh, they stayed home. And then you see some now in the summertime, we still haven't seen some. Um, so, you know, you wonder, okay, is their choice to stay home because they're lazy and they don't want to put in the work or is their choice to stay home because, they don't like what they experienced. And that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow um, for us as coaches, because it takes a lot to, like you said, turn that finger around. Um, or as I, or as I always say, like, you know, if you point the finger at somebody, there's still three pointing back at you. So you really got to check yourself um, before you just pin it on somebody else as, as, as far as uh, a, a why or at fault type deal. Um, so gut checking yourself and going, okay, am I providing a quality service? Um, you know, why does everybody want to use Amazon because of the convenience? Um, and yeah. a lot of times the price beats the price and the time for delivery beats going to a store and dealing with a crowd and dealing with somebody that's, you know, dealing with the potential employee that's, that's rude, um, or something like that. Um, you know, one of the things Growing up, my dad has always worked in the restaurant industry, and, and I learned from an early age, you know, you don't mess with the people that cook your food and bring you your food. Um, even if they're having a bad day, it, you know, you, you give them a second chance. Now, after the second chance and third chance, if it's still bad, well, then you, you're stupid for continuing to go back there. 
but you know the quality of service i think has to be improved uh, because it's vital for long-term success anybody can just show up make them make them go through this here kind of militaristic uh, regime type thing and then ex- get some kind of expected outcome because you've you've kept it extremely rigid but are those kids enjoying what they're doing um, at the end of the day to me it's it's a game for them it's a job for us you know they're they're most of them aren't going to play after they graduate high school uh, the ones that come to you are a very small select few percentage um, you know and some are still doing it as a job and some are doing it because they still love it um, so we don't want to rob them of that and at the end of the day the other deal is training and being in the weight room is is a lifelong thing like you should understand and, and love the fact that I can do this for the rest of my life and I've gotten you know coach Basil or coach Nunes has showed me these things or, or anybody else that they take value in has shown me how to lift and how to do it well and and help me learn how to program potentially so that I can continue to improve my health for the le- for the lifetime of uh, for my lifetime Exactly. And that's, you hit it on the head. It's, it, it is a lifetime thing. And if, if we burn them out, like you and I both still train, and it's a huge part of our lives. And anybody who trains regularly, it, it's such an important part of their life. And, and they look forward to it so much. And it's so important to them. If you create a bad experience when they're in high school, they're never going to go back into the gym again, or they're going to go back in when they're 40 and it's too late. And now they have to start from scratch again. It's really hard to do that. Whereas if you can show them the value and give them a great experience and they can build a real life skill, which isn't that what we're looking for as coaches anyway? You know, like you said, it's, it's, it's about giving them an experience about building them up as kids and teaching them those life skills and life lessons that we can make them better people. You know, that's, that's a a top three reason why we do this. Um, No doubt coach. One of the last things I wanted to touch on is something that you've been working on for a while and that you've recently released and that's your, uh, advanced training manual. So, you know, take some time as much as you want, man, and just kind of dive into it, talk about what it is, what was the process in terms of creating it, why you created it. And, and then, you know, obviously how, how do people get a hold of it? Absolutely. Um, so I'll, I'll go back a little. So the, the advanced training manual, what it is, and I'll kind of explain why we, why I wrote these manuals for you with, it's a touching on things like explosive strength, um, rate of force development, some more of your advanced con- and how to apply it, you know, what sets and reps do I do, what kind of exercise, how, what does a week look like? Um, because at a certain point, now let's say you do everything right in training, at a certain point, your kids will be strong enough. If they can squat twice their body weight with great technique, they're strong enough. What's the next step in training? And it's great. We, we get them to this fantastic point, like we talked about, but at a certain point, the emphasis in training has to change to be getting more more powerful and explosive. And you see a, a great example of that is Alabama football. I'm not saying I've cracked Alabama's code. That's not what it is. But those guys, you know, when you, what was it? Um, Derek Henry squatted 600 pounds as a freshman, or maybe it was Trent Richardson. At a certain point, they are strong enough. And there's a point of diminishing returns on strength alone. So what's next? And the whole point of the advanced manual is explaining that concept, what that kind of long-term progression looks like you know, when they get strong enough, what is strong enough? And I kind of have standards in there for different lifts and different body weights. 
for males and females, but then what's that next step look like for your advanced level athletes, the ones who can bench one and a half their body weight, they can squat, um, you know, double body weight, how to make them, how to train for explosive strength. What is explosive strength? Why do we not get explosive strength from maximal strength, right? Because at a certain point, just getting stronger does not make you necessarily explosive. There is very much, just because somebody is strong doesn't mean they're explosive, right? We all have kids that can squat a house, but have a 20 inch vertical. And everybody can picture the same kid, same weight room guy, loves it, but can't get out of his stance to save his life. He's strong, but he's not explosive, right? Maximal strength and explosive strength are two different things. And that's, that's, that's part of what the book is on. It's not just that, but it's understanding these concepts of special strengths and how to tap into it um, because you have to. At a certain point, getting strong enough is probably step two in the process. There's a whole nother gear after that. So it's taking those advanced concepts um, and boiling them down into a very condensed and digestible version, which is a common theme throughout my throughout the books. Um, and how do I apply it in our setting, um, sets and reps and exercises, and how do we plan it across the week? So that's for anybody out there that has a good understanding of how to make their kids strong and move well. But now we need to make them more explosive, more powerful, and really transfer to the field? How do we make them directly better on the field? Um, how do we make it more position specific? How do we make it more um, translatable to actually get better on the field instead of being just so general? Um, so it's taking those advanced concepts, really boiling them down to exactly what you need to know. And then it's, here's what I do. Here's the sets and reps. Here's what an entire semester looks like. Go. And, I, and if we can do it with 600 kids in our weight room, you can do it in your place. Uh, but understand that's for your more advanced kids. So if you're in high school, uh, probably like your seniors who, who are, have been in your program for a long time, you can probably think of those kids, um, but save that, that that's a very late advanced thing. Uh, but to start to get an idea for it, it's a good read. The other stuff is my, um, the strength program is on mail. It's kind of everything we've talked about here. How do we get to those six to eight exercises and why, if you're starting from ground one, the strength program design manual is for you. It's the your it's the, con, the the boiled down version of here's everything you need to know. Here's how to do sets and reps. Here's how to prescribe weights for sets and reps. Ready go. It's kind of like that exercise programming 101 to get you right out the door. Once you kind of maximize the strength manual, then you would go to something like the advanced manual. I do the same thing with conditioning. So I have a conditioning manual as well um, for that same thing. We all well know. If you just run miles, that doesn't help you be a better football player. You can run stadium steps for 40 minutes. Well, play is only six seconds long. How's that helping you? So it's explaining the physiology behind conditioning, how to write the sets and reps and whatnot. And the idea behind behind all that was, you know, your coaches are you're an English teacher during the day, you're a dad at night, and somewhere in your your position coach from four to six, and at some point in there, you got to do the weight room. People don't have time to study the NSCA textbook front to back 500 pages. This book is for those people that need the condensed version, the X's and O's, here it is. And that's what I had in mind of those people who just need to learn the basics. Give, give, me, give me what I need to know so I can go right now. That's what it is. Um, so that's kind of the overarching theme of all my stuff. That's, uh, you know, it, it's funny. I'm, I'm listening to you talk about it and I'm thinking about our interactions and, and right there to me is, that's Pat Basil in a nutshell. Like I'm going to give you the meat and potatoes. We're not going to be fancy. It might be served on a paper plate. It might be served on a glass plate, but it's quality. Go, go forth 
and, and, and execute. Like that's it. There, there's no, there's no frills to it. It's going to be, it's just going to be quality and it's going to be to the point, man. I, I love it. Uh, I'll, I'll be purchasing probably all of it um, over the next year uh, as I can procure and save some, some monies, but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to, you know, f- try and get my CSCS, but then also go back and look at what you did. And because I think sometimes what happens is these textbooks have existed for a while. And yeah, I know that it's on the fourth edition and I'm certainly not knocking the NSCA because who is, who am I to, to say, I know a whole lot, but sometimes when things are being written, they're being written by people that not done the practical application side for a while. And yep. here, here's what you are producing. You're right there in the trench of it, right? You understand what that's needed. Um, until every single school in the country can get a, a qualified certified strength conditioning coach. Um, you know, you have to have these manuals, you have to have these nuts and bolt things for exactly who you were talking about. The person that has classroom responsibilities has, uh, you know, outside of school responsibilities, whether it's father, husband, son, daughter, uh, somewhere in the middle, they've got to make sure that they're, producing something for their athletes to get bigger, faster, stronger, because if you're not training and all you're doing is running miles and you don't, and you're not cross country, uh, or, you know, even soccer to a small extent, uh, you're, you're, you're just being lazy because there's too many great resources out there and yours is one of them. Appreciate that. Yeah. That, that, that's exactly what it is now. And I appreciate all that, but that's, that's the target right there. Yeah. Well, coach, how do we get a hold of you? How do they they find these manuals? Um, you know, what's what's the easiest way if they haven't already found you on, on social medias? Um, Twitter is probably the best place to get ahead, a hold of me. My my handle is just p basil strength. Um, I'm also on Instagram, the same thing. So feel free to just shoot me a DM. Um, and the links to all my stuff is on my social media. So it's in my my bio on Twitter and Instagram, and it's in my pin tweet, I think. Um, so it's in my bio, Twitter and Instagram. And if you have questions, feel free to shoot me a DM. Um, I'm happy to help. I get them all the time. I'm happy to give back. So please, if you have questions, just fire away. Yeah. I, I, as somebody who's, who's taken advice, you know, taking your advice and applied it, I can, I can say wholeheartedly reaching out to you is a great, is a great thing that I did. I'm glad I did it. Um, and I would highly encourage anybody that would, that listens to this episode or any other episode coaches on to on any other podcast, you know, just, just keep talking with him. He's a wealth of knowledge. Um, and I know we're going to continue to talk more in the future. And, and I sincerely appreciate all the support and help that you've given me, um, in a very short amount of time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I'm glad it's having a, glad it's having an impact. I'm happy to. Really hope you enjoyed today's episode with coach Pat Basil. Make sure to follow coach on Twitter and Instagram at P Basil strength. Check out all the stuff that he's doing at Hamilton, as well as the many resources that he's created. If you're interested in the resources that he's created, in the show notes, I have his link tree link posted. Make sure to check it out. Also, if you find value in this, please retweet, share, discuss, anything and everything you can to help promote not only Coach Basil's episode, but any episodes in the future and in previous. Thanks for everything. Oh,
Thanks for checking out the podcast today. Really hope you enjoyed today's guest. Don't forget to leave a like and a review. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast fix from. Ratings and reviews really help us reach more viewers. Peace out. Have a nice day. Be the change you want to see in the world. Oh, 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 oh